loot me once, shame on you. Loot me twice, shame on me. Or to paraphrase former President George W. Bush, fool me twice. The point is, you're not going to fool me again. I think that's what's going on right now. I think people have had enough. After, after looters have burned down multiple cities over the past, what is it now, five, six days, people have finally had enough. The tide is beginning to turn. I saw this here, even in Los Angeles. After two days ago, looters burned through Beverly Hills. They, they smashed storefronts. They stole stuff. They decided they were going to move up to the San Fernando Valley and hit Van Nuys. Didn't turn out as well for them up in the San Fernando Valley. They moved past the ritzy neighborhood, right? They get into more of a working class neighborhood. Business owners standing in front of their shops in that more working class neighborhood, Van Nuys, were standing there with guns and they weren't going to let the looters come on in there. And guess what happened? Generally speaking, the looters moved on. Same thing in other parts of town as well. There was one example, I think this was, this was in Bellevue, Washington, where looters were going all around there outside Seattle and they decided to break into a cigar shop. Now, cigar smokers, I can tell you from experience, not the most politically correct people in the world. So this cigar, what did, what did he do, the cigar? And did he say, oh, thank you. I'm sorry. I know that you're expressing your pain. I, I, I'm, I empathize with you. Please take all of my property. I feel so guilty that I have property and you have not yet. Uh, no, that's not what happened. He actually pulled out his gun and pointed it at them and screamed at them until they all ran out of the shop. So you can see the guy filming is actually shocked to hear this. Say, man, what's he doing? Look at that. Oh, he's chasing him out of the shop. You see, one, two, three, four, five, six. How many people are in this shop? At least six, I think seven people. Because this cigar store owner in a cowboy hat holding a gun chases them out. And guess what happened? You'll be shocked to hear this. When you don't incentivize people stealing your stuff and smashing all of your belongings, when you disincentivize that, then you get less of that. This is uh, a good sign because this guy is not the only one who's had enough. We've all had enough from business owners to local politicians, all the way up to the president of the United States. It's been a few days that we've been waiting for this. Better late than never, I say. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The squishes in our politics were ruining everything until yesterday. The squishes in our politics were buying a lot of false rioter leftist premises until yesterday. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I got to thank our friends over at NetSuite. With this level of economic uncertainty, yeah, that's the word for it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's maybe an understatement even. Businesses need systems that give them complete visibility into their numbers. Okay, the last few months, maybe the last few days have taught us what's important in life. And it's taught us that we need to eliminate or change. All you need is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system, finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one place. So you save time, you save money, you save headaches. Don't forget, time is money. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions of dollars in sales, NetSuite gives you the visibility and control that you need to manage every penny with precision. Join the over 20,000 companies 
who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. I, I absolutely love this company. Receive your free guide, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Knowles. Get your free guide, schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Knowles, Canada W-L-E-S, netsuite.com slash Knowles. The problem of the last four or five days, I get more than that even now, of these riots, of this building up. The reason that it was allowed to go on so long and get so bad is that there were a lot of squishes in politics, not just on the left, on the right as well, at the local, all the way up to the top. And they were buying the rioters' premises. And because they were buying the rioters' premises, they were allowing the riots to go on. And because they allowed the riots to go on, the riots got much, much worse. And a lot of innocent people got killed. A lot of innocent people had their livelihoods destroyed. Nothing good came out of it. What were the two premises? The first premise of the rioters that they bought was that there's a national epidemic of racist cops hunting down innocent black guys whenever they leave their homes. That isn't true. There's no evidence that that's happening. Nobody benefits from pretending that that is true. It is simply not the case. There are sad incidents that happen. There are instances of injustice that happen because all human systems involve injustice. It is not possible to get rid of injustice. People telling you that you will perfectly get rid of injustice are selling you a utopian lie. And historically, when, when people have sold utopian lies, they've bred a lot more misery than they were replacing. That's the first false premise. The second false premise is that this was ever about racial injustice or or being heard or having a listening session. It was never about that. It was never about that. It was about stealing stuff and creating chaos and harming innocent people and pursuing people's selfish appetites. That's what it was always about. Okay. And they, they lied to you. The rioters lied to you and made you think that it was about justice and, and peace and equality. It's not, it was never about that. And only rubes, would be taken in by that con. Not the case. I think finally now, people realize it wasn't about being heard. Because you know, if you want to be heard, uh, smashing windows and stealing Nikes is not a great way to be heard. For days, everyone seemed to have been under an ideological spell. People thought that enforcing laws was tyranny. People thought that arresting criminals was unjust. People thought that grievances, real or imagined, justified attacks on innocent people. None of that was true. And then people woke up to some basic truths. They woke up to the idea that law is good. Order is good. Violent temper tantrums should never be indulged. And the most basic thing they learned is that the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So while many weak left-wing sheriffs and law enforcement agencies around the country were standing down, not doing anything. The good law enforcement agencies were standing up. A sheriff in Polk County, Florida, Sheriff Grady Judd warned the criminals, warned the rioters. He said, guys, please, I'm pleading with you for your lives. Do not go and break into people's homes because if you do, you're not going to like what's waiting for you on the other side of the door. We have received information in social media that some of the criminals we're going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns and they're gonna be in their homes tonight. 
with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. So leave the community alone. I love the, the politeness. Now they have guns, they like guns, and if you break in, I am highly recommending they blow you back out of the house. I'm not ordering them to. All right, this isn't a tyranny here. I'm merely making a suggestion that they use the guns that they have and they love to blow you out of the house, to blow the violent intruders who are threatening their lives and threatening their property out of the house. This kind of language, I highly encourage, I strongly encourage. This recurs, not just in local law enforcement, but actually all the way up to the president of the United States. The best version of this message came from Trump. Trump has been catching flack over the past few days. Trump has been catching flack because we haven't heard from him. He hasn't, you know, this is the law and order candidate. This is the, the guy who said, I'm going to lead, I'm going to take control. And he, he hasn't been publicly doing that over the past few days. So people, even Trump's strongest supporters have said, where is he? Where is he? Come on, Trump, give us something. And he, he rose to the occasion yesterday. Uh, better late than never. And he did a really good job. There were five parts to what was actually a very short speech, but it was a brilliant speech. Whoever wrote it uh, is, did a great job. And whoever delivered it, which was President Trump, did an even better job. Here are the parts. He opens up, doesn't open up with the rioters. He opens up with the inciting incident, which was ostensibly the death of George Floyd. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. The biggest victims of the rioting are peace-loving citizens in our poorest communities. So he has to open up with George Floyd. The reason he has to, because you might say now, look, these rioters have nothing to do with George Floyd. It's actually even sort of insulting that he would bring up George Floyd when he's talking about people burning down buildings and throwing stuff through windows and they're totally separate events. Sure. But he has to reassure the country that he's taking the George Floyd death seriously. You and I know that he's been taking this seriously from the beginning. He made a statement about it from the beginning. His DOJ is investigating it from the beginning. The cop who was involved has been arrested and charged with murder. We know that. But people who only get their news from the mainstream media don't know that. Okay, so he's got to communicate. When he's communicating directly with the American people, he's got to give the whole story, even if some of that we already know. He opens up in this very humane, empathetic way with George Floyd. Then he moves on to what is happening now. Trump says he is mobilizing the forces to take back control of the country. The following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Now, listen to the difference in language here. 
I will strongly recommend that the governors call in the National Guard. We will dominate the streets. So you get this kind of weaker language, this softer language, strongly recommend, and then in the very same breath, dominate. This word dominate keeps coming up in the way Trump is talking to these governors. They, they leaked of audio of a phone call yesterday where Trump was speaking to the governors. He said, you got to dominate. He probably said the word dominate 10 times. We got to dominate. We got to dominate. We got to dominate. That's the key here. And yet Trump is being careful about this because if Trump said, forget the governors, I'm sending in the United States military, not the national guard, the actual like full on uniformed military into the streets of our cities. And they're going to be ready to do what the military does. That's a very dangerous situation because you don't deploy the military unless you're willing to let the military do their job. And if the military does their job, they're going to kill civilians. And if the military kills civilians, even if it's justified, you are in a very, very intense political situation. The, the, that will not look good. Forget about an election year. That doesn't, that doesn't ever look good or justifiable, even in instances where it is justifiable. So Trump is in a tight position here. I wish he had used stronger language than I strongly encourage, but he is backed into a tight corner. So it becomes, I strongly encourage, call in the National Guard. A lot of them have already called in the National Guard, but if they do not do it, I will send in the troops. And by the way, I am already calling in the United States military to Washington, D.C., because obviously Washington, D.C. is run by the federal government in in the District of Columbia. He then moves on. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to send send in our our boys in uniform. Next step, what are we going to do to the bad people? Antifa, the looters. Trump addresses them next. Those who threaten innocent life and property will be arrested, detained, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I want the organizers of this terror to be on notice that you will face severe criminal penalties and lengthy sentences in jail. This includes Antifa and others who are leading instigators of this violence. The Antifa mention here is important because a lot of the people who are involved in the violence are members of Antifa, which is so it's so-called anti-fascist. It gets its name from a, a group of German communists from the 1930s. And they are just as radical as German communists from the 1930s. And they are, they are a domestic terrorist organization. I ran into Antifa when I was giving a speech at University of Missouri, Kansas City a couple years ago. I was giving a very controversial speech. It was called Men Are Not Women. And, you know, it was just kind of shocking stuff. And some wacko Antifa guy busts in in a bandana. That was before our public health officials forced us to wear bandanas uh, all the time. And he busts in. And fortunately for me, he just had a super soaker. It was full of a bunch of creepy household chemicals. And all he did was manage to ruin my blazer. But otherwise, I escaped fine. That is not what Antifa's resting at uh, around the rest of the country. Now, around the rest of the country, Antifa is using weapons that are stronger than squirt guns. Terrorists target civilians to achieve political ends. That's the definition of terrorism. That's the simplest definition of terrorism. Antifa fits the definition of terrorism perfectly. It is a scandal that Antifa has not been designated a terrorist organization yet. Very good that Trump did it a few days ago. Very good that he called them out in this speech. Now, there were other people who have been committing a lot of looting and violence and crime, who were not in Antifa. Trump did not name them. Probably this was a political decision. You got to pick your battles. You got to focus on your, on the threats and the broader, longer term 
political threat, political violence threat has been Antifa. So he calls them out. Then Trump gets to the line that I think is the best line in the entire speech. And he uses that then to lead into what I thought was one of the best moments of his presidency. We'll get to that in one second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know, uh, it's hard to remember what life was like before Ring. It's hard to remember what life was like before a couple months ago. We are home more than usual these days, but it's still very hard to keep a close eye on things, isn't it? You're getting more deliveries, maybe some unexpected visitors these days, and that means that there are more opportunities for packages to go missing, more opportunities for people to show up that you don't want to show up. A lot can happen outside of your front door, and we're not always free to check on things in person. Well, with a ring, you can keep your home safe no matter where you are. You can be in the house, you can be at the office, you can be somewhere at a Dodge, but you can check in anyway. Ring is on a mission to make neighborhoods safer. Their home security products are designed to give you peace of mind around the clock. From video doorbells and security cameras to smart security lighting and alarm systems. Get a special offer right now on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. I love these guys. I trust them. I give them out to my friends as housewarming gifts. Get a special offer, ring.com slash Knowles. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Trump gets to the best line of the speech. This is the thesis of the speech. He's not just addressing the individual concerns anymore. He's getting to his broader point about government, liberty, order, and justice. America is founded upon the rule of law. It is the foundation of our prosperity, our freedom, and our very way of life. But where there is no law, there is no opportunity. Where there is no justice, there is no liberty. Where there is no safety, there is no future. We must never give in to anger or hatred. If malice or violence reigns, then none of us is free. This is some seriously sophisticated stuff. For the people who make fun of Trump and say Trump doesn't know anything about political philosophy, Trump doesn't know, he doesn't believe anything, he's, you know, he's just a reality TV show host. Okay, fine, maybe, maybe not. But, but even if that's true, then he is hiring some really sophisticated political thinkers and he is having those really sophisticated political thinkers write his speeches, and he's sophisticated enough to know when he sees those speeches that they're saying something very important. We have been conned in this country, not just over the past five days, but over the past five decades, to believe that liberty is to be found in just doing whatever you want, pursuing all your own appetites, me, 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 it's all just about us individually. We've been told this certainly from the left and even even a fair bit from the right. And that isn't true. There is a relationship between liberty and justice. James Madison in Federalist Papers said that the end of government is justice. It's not just liberty. It's not just this kind of shallow idea of liberty of doing whatever we want. It is justice, okay? Edmund Burke, the great conservative philosopher, said that another word for for ordered liberty is justice. There's this relationship here. You can't have, I think little children believe that if you have laws then you don't really have freedom. I I actually thought this. I thought, this is a free country. How come there are laws and there are rules that we have to follow? That's what little children think. Then some people just remain little children all their lives, and then they join groups like Antifa, and they riot with groups like Black Lives Matter, and they remain children until the end of their lives. When people grow up, though, they realize, no, actually, you need rules to have liberty. You need order 
to have liberty. You need rules in poetry to have a beautiful sonnet. And you need rules in society to have a beautiful society where everybody has an exalted freedom. And then Trump embodied this. He actually, he actually put this into his own flesh and action when he said, okay, this is my thesis on liberty and justice and order. Now I'm going to go pay respects to a very special place. And he left us on a cliffhanger. What is that special place? Thank you very much. And now I'm going to pay my respects to a very, very special place. Thank you very much. And and okay, you see me walk. He just walks. He leaves. He drops the mic. Okay, I'm going to go pay my respects to a special place. Walks out. And then he just walks out the front door to the White House. I think most people didn't even know the front door of the White House worked. (laughs) You don't see people coming in and out of there too much. He, wa- he then walks, leading a group of people, including the Attorney General, Bill Barr, including serious people. Ivanka's back there. He walks across Lafayette Park, leading it, right? He's not behind the 10 Secret Service agents. He's leading because he has to. This guy gets stagecraft. He gets optics. He walks across the park to St. John's Church, the church that the rioters had set on fire the night before. And he walked to the front of St. John's Church, and he held a Bible up. He held that Bible up in his right hand. Didn't give a big speech, just held the Bible, the symbol of that, the, the image of Trump standing holding the Bible up in his right hand in front of the church that they tried to burn down. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because it tells us about the rules and the order that we need to have freedom. John Adams said, our country is built for a moral and religious people. It is unfit to the governance of any other kind of people. That, that on the other. And then the other implicit message here in what Trump is doing is exactly what we said on this show yesterday. We said, hey, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's remember, why is racism bad in the first place? Why do, we, why do we all agree that racism is bad? Most people can't answer that question. The reason that we think racism is bad, the reason that we in our society, unlike every other society that has ever lived, the reason we uniquely think that racism is bad is because of Christianity. Because Christianity shaped our society. Man is made in the image of God. We descend from a common ancestor. There is human dignity and there is human solidarity. We uniquely believe that. And Trump showed that. And of course the left was furious, including the leftists who run that Episcopal church, that Episcopalian church. There was a, a bishop of that church, Marianne something, who condemned Trump for, for walking to the church. I got to tell you something. I've met a fair number of bishops in my life. Never met a bishop named Marianne. I don't think bishops are named Marianne. Just look, what do I, I don't know a whole lot about the Episcopalian, uh, religion, but, uh, I'm not, I just don't know a lot of bishops named Marianne. I'll leave it at that. Even a Catholic priest attacked him, said it was exploitative of the Bible. It wasn't exploitative. It was perfect. It was a great image. It's one of the highlights of his presidency. Why did it take so long? What was the pivot here? You know, even Trump's strongest supporters have been criticizing what they viewed as weakness so far, even including Tucker Carlson, who by all reports is friends with the president, is a big supporter of the president. Tucker Carlson took to his show on Fox to go after what, what he views as the weak, squishy advisors around him. Specifically, he, he called out President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Some key advisors around the president don't seem to understand this or the gravity of the moment. No matter what happens, they'll tell you, our voters aren't going anywhere. The trailer parks are rock solid. What choice do they have? They've got to vote for us. Jared Kushner, for one, has made that point out loud. 
No one has more contempt for Donald Trump's voters than Jared Kushner does, and no one expresses it more frequently. In 2016, Donald Trump ran as a law and order candidate because he meant it, and his views remain fundamentally unchanged today. But the president's famously sharp instincts, the ones that won him the presidency almost four years ago, have been since subverted at every level by Jared Kushner. This is true on immigration, on foreign policy, and especially on law enforcement. As crime in this country continues to rise, Jared Kushner has led a highly aggressive effort to let more criminals out of prison and back onto the streets. This is reckless. At this moment in time, it's insane. It continues to happen. Now, you know, Tucker does this a lot on his show. He'll go after a specific person very pointedly, and that makes his broader point. So I don't know the inner workings of the West Wing. I don't know Jared Kushner particularly well. I don't know Tucker Carlson particularly well. So I'm, I'm not really commenting on that itself. On the broader point that Tucker is making, that, that Trump has some squishy people around him and he should listen to the hardcore conservative people, not the squishy people, that point is obviously correct. Squishiness will not help Trump in November. People want a choice, not an echo, to quote Phyllis Schlafly, okay, from many, many decades ago. When President Trump is strong, when he gives an alternative to the general liberal consensus, people go nuts for it. They love it. It's great. He compares very, very favorably to the leftist adversaries that he faces, leftist adversaries who make excuses for the rioters. And I'm not just talking about random accounts on Twitter. I'm talking about major figures on CNN, major figures in the Democratic Party. We will get to that in just one second. First though, I've got to thank you for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, probably you are watching this on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. That's fine. That's cool. Whatever. Look, we want to help Ben out. You know, look, we'll give him some views and stuff. But you got to go to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Right now, Drew Clavin decided to secretly tell everyone who listens to his show to go subscribe so that he could beat me to get to 50,000 subscribers. And uh, I don't know, probably at a certain point that'll just get me fired. So you've got to go there right now. Please, my job depends on it. Go to the Michael Knoll Show YouTube channel and subscribe. You get extra bonus segments. We got one up right now with my friend Maddie Kearns discussing a major a transgender decision out of the administration. So head on over. By the way, if you become an all access member, you get not one, you get two leftist tears tumblers. That is, and I'm no mathematical expert or nothing, double as good, I believe. Roughly approximate 1.9 to 2.1 times as good. Head on over, become an all-access member. You get a whole bunch of stuff, more hours of the Ben Shapiro show, the, the all-access show, Q&As, but most importantly, you get the tumblers. That's the real key. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 15% off with coupon code Knowles. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Code Knowles. We'll be right back with a lot more. Strength. Donald Trump did not win the Republican nomination on his first try at the presidency against 17 pretty strong Republican candidates because he was a better Jeb Bush. Okay. He didn't do that. He won because he was the opposite of Jeb Bush. <laughs> he was the foil to Jeb Bush. He was the foil to more liberal Republicans. If we want liberalism, if we want leftism, we will vote for the liberal Democratic candidate because Trump will never do liberalism better than they do. I mean, they've gone so far. CNN, a reporter on CNN, Sarah Sidner, national correspondent, 
openly defended and made excuses on national television for the rioters. I know people see violence and think that people are just taking advantage of the situation. And there may be some people who are. I don't know that every single person is doing this born out of pain, but I can tell you many people are. We've seen it. They don't know what to do with that emotion. So their response, especially young folks, is to lash out. And one of the young folks, we talked to him on your show. You had him on your show. A young man who was from Minneapolis who said, do you see all this damage here? You don't listen to us when we speak. So you listen to us now, don't you? So acting out gets attention. And they know that because the other way hasn't gotten them the attention. It hasn't done anything. It hasn't changed anything. So they're hoping this will. Will it? I don't know. I was in Ferguson in 2014 for three months. We're back here again. Same scenario, just about. There wasn't a gun involved. There was a knee involved. Acting out gets them attention. I almost don't even want to address all the stupid, factually incorrect things she said. Like she's still perpetuating this lie that Michael Brown in Ferguson was shot with his hands up saying, don't shoot. Didn't happen. Multiple autopsies showed the guy, Michael Brown reached for the cop's gun. The gun went off in the cop car many, many eyewitnesses all saying the same thing. She's just perpetuating that lie. She's perpetuating this lie that there is some justification for the riots here. I, I don't even want to get into it. I just want to get into this really dumb bit of political philosophy, really dumb bit of parenting. She said, acting out gets attention. Yeah, that's true. Everyone who's ever met a teenager knows. Everyone who's ever met a toddler knows that acting out gets attention. But when you want to raise a good child, you don't give them attention when they do bad things because that will reinforce the bad behavior. That will incentivize the bad behavior. And you know what happens then? You get more of it. But we don't know that. We don't know that anymore (laughs) in our culture. We don't know how to raise another generation. That's why things have spiraled so far out of control. There's a connection here between the breakdown of the family and the breakdown of civil society. People have been predicting this for many years. It's not just about orange man bad. I know you want to blame all your troubles, if you're on the left, on President Trump, but it's not President Trump. And even if it were President Trump, America elected President Trump. The the trouble about a representative democracy is you get representatives and the representatives are representative of you, the voters. I think that President Trump is actually offering a little bit of hope to try to get back to something that we've lost. And I think that that longing is why people elected him in the first place, to restore some law and order, to restore a sense of justice. But you can't be in a situation where you're indulging all of this terrible behavior. There is no justification for rioting. These are not genuinely wounded people who just want to be heard. No, they're degenerate criminals who are stealing people's property and killing people and setting buildings on fire. It's not compassionate to anybody to be nice to criminals. You remember we saw that video of the woman in in Minneapolis sobbing because her neighborhood had been burned down and all the stores that she goes to have been burned down and all the places she frequents burned down. It's not compassionate to her to be nice to derelict criminals who should be rotting in prison for a very long time. You wouldn't do this when you raise children. You shouldn't do this when you're raising a society either. But you actually see this. There's this unbelievable story that nobody's talking about. This is like a, an undercurrent of this entire problem we're facing, which is that in multiple places now where the rioting has gotten pretty bad, 
the children of the political leaders are helping the rioters. And no one wants to talk about it. Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, he called in the National Guard, finally. He had done a terrible job managing this crisis in Minnesota. But finally, he calls in the National Guard. No sooner does he call in the National Guard than his daughter, Hope Waltz, encourages the rioters by tweeting out info about the National Guard's movements. So this governor's daughter, presumably a pretty leftist lady, tweets out, quote, could someone who, has act- who actually has followers rely to the masses, I think she meant relay, to the masses? It's a language right out of Karl Marx. That's how Marxists talk about people. They're not people, they're the masses that have gotten National Guard trending, that the Guard will not be present tonight. There's a lot of misinformation that is further spreading fear and chaos in the scene, at the scene of the protests. The Guard cannot be sent in within minutes. It takes time for them to deploy because they come from all over the state. To be clear, the National Guard will not be present tonight. The reason that her father had said, I'm calling in the National Guard, is to tamp down the riots that were going on and try to save lives and try to save people's property and communities. And then she goes out immediately and says, now, don't worry, the Guard's not really going to come. They're not going to come. It takes too long to deploy them. She goes on, just because someone asked for something, namely her father, the governor, doesn't mean it's happening right away or even happening at all. I don't know about SWAT, but I know... What I know is the guard will not be present arresting people tonight. It's not just the daughter of the Minnesota governor. Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City, his daughter, Chiara de Blasio. By the the way, when we're talking about kids, we're not talking about 12-year-olds here. Chiara de Blasio is 25 years old. Chiara de Blasio was arrested at one of these riots. Chiara de Blasio arrested by Union Square, 12th Street and Broadway, as part of a group of about 100 people who were throwing objects toward cops. Now, there's no evidence that Kiara herself was throwing the objects toward cops. We don't know. But she was with that group of people throwing objects at cops, and she refused to disperse when the cops tried to disperse them, so she got arrested. What a pathetic situation that the daughter of the elected mayor of New York is getting arrested because she's palling around with rioters throwing objects at the cops that her father's supposed to lead. No wonder that the cops repeatedly have turned their backs, physically turned their backs on Bill de Blasio. No wonder that the city is in such absolute chaos. Because we, I'm not, I'm not even singling out anybody in particular. We in this country have lost our families. We've lost control of our families. This ties in with much bigger social questions. No-fault divorce, which exploded many decades ago, has left a whole generation growing up in broken homes. Generation grows up in broken homes. You'll be shocked to hear they're not terribly well adjusted to adulthood or to society. It's not even not, not their fault. But as you have family breakdown, you have social breakdown in the civil orders. You have breakdown in the civil order. You have governmental breakdown. As you have governmental breakdown, you have riots in the streets. Consider how crazy this has gotten. People are comparing this to the 1992 riots when, with, with Rodney King. In the Rodney King case, Rodney King was a guy who got beaten by cops. The cops were then brought up on charges for police brutality, and they were acquitted. Only after they were acquitted were there riots. There were riots, ostensibly, because people were outraged by the injustice of the cops getting off the hook. But now, the, the cop involved in the likely police brutality was arrested. He was charged with murder. 
what more could anybody want? There's no solution. There's nothing left to do. But there's rioting anyway, because this doesn't really have anything to do with George Floyd. It has a lot to do with social breakdown. And then, of course, our divider-in-chief, former divider-in-chief, I guess, Barack Obama, had to weigh in on this. Barack Obama, who never let an incident of division, particularly racial division, go without commenting and fomenting more trouble, he had to comment in a medium piece. Medium is that, it's that website where you can just, anybody can post whatever they want. And it's so, the guy was so cynical all the time, but, but his advice gets to a lot of what the left is saying to do. How this moment, how to make this moment the turning point for real change. Wasn't Barack Obama supposed to be the turning point for real change, hope and change? The left always talks about how now we're finally going to get universal health care. I thought Barack Obama gave us universal health care. Didn't he do that? This is going to be the moment of real change because there's some racial division. Wasn't Barack Obama supposed, there were a number of incidents of racial division. Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, Henry Louis Gates. There were all these moments during Obama's administration. Why wasn't that the moment for real change? because he's not interested in change. Actually, Obama wants the opposite of change. Barack Obama wants to maintain precisely the status quo. He writes, this is a very, very long piece, so I'll only read a few lines. The overwhelming majority of participants have been peaceful, courageous, responsible, and inspiring. He's talking about the protesters, also known as the rioters. They deserve our respect and and, and support, not condemnation. Something that police in cities like Camden and Flint have commendably understood. So he immediately starts defending against all the images we're seeing on TV, the rioters. And he's saying, no, really, they're mostly peaceful. He's doing the same thing CNN does, right? Yeah, they're, they're mostly peaceful. Oh, that, that's a building on fire. But yeah, no, ignore the building on fire. They're mostly peaceful. So that just isn't true, but it's, a, it's Obama's noble lie. He's trying to, trying to say that they're really, don't believe your eyes, they're really good people. I've heard some suggest that the recurrent problem of racial bias in our criminal justice system proves that only protests and direct action can bring about change and that voting and participation in electoral politics is a waste of time. I couldn't disagree more. So here he goes. He gets right back to, you got to vote. Now, I guess that's better than saying you should take to the streets and throw Molotov cocktails. But consider how ridiculous this is. The cities that are burning to the ground are run by democratic mayors. They're in states run by democratic governors. They're in states that are represented by democratic senators. They're blue states. And he's saying the way to fix this is to vote for more Democrats. You're saying that the government oppresses you and therefore the only way to get out of the oppression is to vote for the exact same people who you just said are oppressing you. That doesn't make any sense. That's not change. That's the status quo. Unfortunately, voter turnout in these local races is usually pitifully low, especially among young people. Young people, you got to get out there and vote for the exact same people who caused the problem in the first place. So the bottom line is this. If we want to bring about real change, then the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. So here he's, by defending the protests, which by the way, are really riots, he's doing something the left always does. He's encouraging the chaos. A real leader right now would say, stop it. These protests aren't protests. They're riots. They're looting. They're unjust. Go home. This, the cop who likely engaged in police brutality has been arrested. He's been charged with murder. Justice is being served. Go home and stop ruining people's lives and attacking innocent people. That's what a real good leader would say. That's not what Barack Obama says. He does what the left does, which is encourage the threats, encourage the disorder, encourage the civil unrest, and then say the only way to maintain, the only way to stop the civil unrest is to vote for the status quo, which is us. It's the, it's the stick and it's the carrot. But the end result is always the same. Maintain exactly the status quo, which is going to lead to more civil unrest, and it's going to lead to more voting for Democrats. The mayor of Seattle, 
another left-wing place, mayor of Seattle, Jenny Durkin, wants to remind you, as we're all so racially divided, you got to stay divided. She tweets out, I want to acknowledge that much of the violence and destruction, both here in Seattle and across the country, has been instigated and perpetuated by white men. (laughs) We're at this moment of division, and yet these democratic political leaders, all the way up to the former president, are saying, stay divided. Remain divided. Don't, Don't let your guard down for just one minute. Now, what the mayor of Seattle is saying is a little bit implausible. It seems a little bit unlikely from what the videos that we've seen, all right, doesn't seem like most of the rioters here are white men. But even if that were true, even if it were true, imagine saying that. Like imagine saying, she said, I just want to acknowledge and remind all of you that the majority of this violence, much of the violence and destruction has been perpetuated by black men. Could you imagine if she said that? Could you imagine what the response would be? But if it's white men, then it's good. You've got to, you've got to the answer to racism is, is, more, is racism in the other direction. That's what they say. That is obviously the main thing we're focused on these days is these riots, this looting, the civil unrest. Don't forget the broader context of this. We just came out of the two and a half months of the lockdown of the coronavirus is going to kill us all. We've got to be on edge. All of our neighbors and our citizens, they're not neighbors and citizens. They're actually monsters who are infected, who are going to kill us and they're going to kill grandma and you got to stay home. Remember that? That's what we were told for two months. Well, then that went away because we didn't have, now we don't have to social distance because if you're going out and protesting Donald Trump and rioting and looting and creating chaos, that's good. Then that's the cure to coronavirus. So we said yesterday, race riots are apparently the cure to coronavirus. So now the media can't lean back on coronavirus. Well, don't worry. They have a new one. Here's a new one. This headline out of the New York Post. Scientists say an apocalyptic bird flu could wipe out half of humanity. Enough. Enough. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me twice. To paraphrase George W. Bush, point is, you're not going to fool me again. Do not be fooled again. Do not be manipulated again. Do not be manipulated by people who have a very severe and hideous political agenda. Keep calm. Look toward good leadership. Come together. Don't be divided. Have order. Have justice. There is a very pointed political operation going on right now to rip this country apart. Don't let them do it. And don't worry about the bird flu wiping out half of humanity. Because, you know, if it's going to do it, it's going to do it anyway. So that's fine. You'll go to a better place, okay? (laughs) As long as as you get your affairs in order now. Think about what we could have been talking about the last few days. Because all we've been talking about is cities that are burning down. We didn't have to talk about that. Another thing happened this weekend. I know we think the only thing that happened was the looting and the pillaging and the mayhem. Another thing that happened is a private company shot a spaceship into space and sent American astronauts up into space for the first time in a pretty long time. This was Elon Musk. This was SpaceX. And President Trump gave a speech, another powerful speech, powerful in a different way at that launch. An amazing honor. You know, four years ago, this place was essentially shut down. Space program was over. The shuttle program was dead. 
One of the Secret Service men said they were here with the past administration. I won't tell you who. And they were here to shut down the facility. And now we're the leader in the world again. And this is just the beginning. They're going to Mars. They go to the moon, but they're going to the moon in order to go to Mars. It's a platform. Jim, would you say that's a correct yes, statement? That's right. Uh, Jim, I want to congratulate you. I want to congratulate the vice president. First time in a long time. And we're going to Mars. All right. We're going, yeah, we're going to go to the moon first and then we're going to go to Mars. We're going to look upward. Those, those are the two ways. You can either look down at the rubble, look down at the lies, look down at the rancor and division, look inward only at yourself and me, 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 or you can look upward toward the heavens, toward what's next, toward what is to come, toward what happens when we come together, band together and do something that is productive, that is outward looking that is lovely, that is awe-inspiring, that is the opposite of everything else that we were told to focus on this past weekend. Those are, two cho- those are the two choices that are being offered. All right, you've got the left defending the burning down of our cities, and you've got President Trump walking out the front door of the White House, leading people to a church that people tried to burn down and holding up the Bible walking to that platform at the launch of a spaceship that's going to go right out to outer space and saying this is only the beginning. Those are two choices. And elections are about choices, as as Barack Obama reminds us. All of these stories that we're seeing in the news are about that election that's coming up in November. And, And look beyond that election. Which country do you want to have? The choice is ours. In a representative republic, such as our country, the representatives represent us. What is it? Do we want to keep going down this path of destruction or do we want to say enough is enough and take another course? That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boren. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva, production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. The left has left America to burn. The radicals, the academies, the press, and the Democrats are now the four horsemen of what they hope will be an apocalypse for our country. We'll talk about that. And we've captured America's most wanted man, Jonah Goldberg. That's on The Andrew Clavin Show.